Hello, 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 and welcome to Bitches With Beards. On today's episode, I asked a question, are you fucking kidding me? And my soul left my body. We're the podcast that attempts to break down culture with all the elegance of two coastal grandmas. But in truth, we're just a couple of bitches with beards. I'm Max. And I'm Daniel. And we both have opinions. So let's get this party started. Girl. Oh, oh, if they only knew the half of it. They will. (laughs) Cheers. Cheers. Oh, actually, no, wait, sorry. I just accidentally cheers to my coffee. Cheers. Cheers. (laughs) It is um, a double record Monday, so we're starting a lot earlier. A lot earlier. I'm also suffering from really bad heartburn stroke agita. So I don't know what the hell is going on with me. So I'm going between um, a delicious drink we'll explain later, my morning coffee, and um, Tums. You know what it's called? It's called old age. It's called old age. It's called being in a car for the whole weekend. <laughs> it's called being a grandma. A green, really. a, being a coastal grandma. You never see the coastal grandmas. That's how. That's the, that's the ultimate illusion of the coastal grandma, is they drink all that white wine, but you never see any of them go, oh, don't mind me, do you have a Tums? <laughs> yeah, no, none of them ask that question. They're all just perky and never hungover either. They would never ask for Tums. They'd be like, do you have an antacid? Melvin, <laughs> <laughs> no, can you get me an antacid? Please, please. Oh, I need an antacid. <laughs> Daniel, how are you? You know, this was actually a rather good weekend after you abandoned me. I did abandon you. You abandoned me, but uh, the priest pulled through this weekend. He did? He did. We, we had a brunch date on Saturday. Where'd you go for brunch? We went to City Tap House for drag brunch. I haven't been to a drag brunch since before COVID. That's the DuPont Tap House. Yes, that's the DuPont Tap House. Because I managed to have a tap house. Yeah. It was so much fun. Who's the uh, resident queen there? Uh, Crystal Edge is now the resident nice. queen. It was Banaka prior, mm, but you know. Uh, anyways, uh, it was a very good uh, brunch. And then yesterday he surprised me with his date to the Hirshhorn. Nice. Yes, modern art. Modern art. The Hirshhorn is the one opposite the White House? No. no. That's, um... Hirshhorn is the one that's right next to... It's the big, weird-looking one. The circular one. It's in, um, uh, Wonder Woman 2. Yes. Thank you, Lady Bird Johnson, for getting us that museum. Nice. Which is part of the reason why we were there. But anyways, we were looking at art on a Sunday. It was wonderful. I did mention at work, I was talking about to friends everything going on I mentioned Lady Bird Johnson and you and as I said it my workmate went oh you mean my math teacher's grandma or great aunt and she, her math teacher was related to Lady Bird Johnson shut the front door but her math teacher was apparently a bitch <laughs> well, well but she goes oh yeah she was a bitch I'm like no I thought she was not, I thought she was nice to Jackie <laughs> just know the math teacher <laughs> Lady Bird was good math teacher not so much and then someone on another podcast who I'll mention in a bit who I've been chatting to goes oh your, your, your Daniel is, is really into Lady Bird Johnson and I went yeah he's really into, into her and she, she goes D- do you know that she's a size queen and I went, what? And then he goes, apparently LBJ had an LBJ. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. Very much so. I yeah. actually had that conversation with the priest this weekend. <laughs> no, I saved one thing about Lindsay Bird Johnson's dick. <laughs> yes. But that's very nice. Yes, it was very nice. I was very surprised. What was that, the Herschel? Anything? Or was it just Herschel? Um, so they had two exhibits. One was looking at post-Chinese cultural revolution, which was very interesting. Uh, one was looking at um, African-American art, which was very moving. It was the... Thing that I put on Instagram. 
this week. Yes. Oh, very nice. Um, with the uh, Blackbird. Uh, and then upstairs, it was just the regular exhibit, but they're looking at reinterpreting it. So mm. it was in a new order. And it was actually missing a lot of the pieces, so... Oh, in a good... Because sometimes you can notice it and it just becomes sad. Um, I would say it was pared down in a good way, though. Nice. But I, I think they're, you know, reinterpreting the story that they're going on. That's enough about me. I think we should defer to you. Uh, how, how are you doing, Max? I'm actually going to switch things up because oh. we have a story to tell. Oh, so yes. I feel that before we sit down for it, let's go take a quick walk around Ina's garden, stretch our legs because oh, yes. we need alcohol for the story. Yes, yes, we do. So uh, this week in Ina's garden, we are having a variation of a mimosa. We're having champers with cranberry juice. Because probably at this, like, I will have a UTI by the end of this weekend. Yes, yeah, so I was thinking about your kidneys, but still wanting you to have alcohol. Lovely. So. And I've noticed, though, the cranberries flavoured apple juice. Yes. I love that, because they, they're yeah. the only ones that actually admit that cranberry... Is bitter. Bitter, and that. But anyway, cheers to that. Cheers. And we're going to go back to the story. Story time. So, this weekend was the lovely Nora and Ryan's wedding. They are the hubs, uh, hubs, Nora's the hubs best mate from high school, and we were heading up, down, along, down, down, down to North Carolina, where they live, in a lovely house, uh, driving from Boone, where the wedding was, to their house. Wow, mountains, mm-hmm. yum. Mm-hmm. So we were heading there, and, it, and we were very excited. Yes. And... <laughs> Uh, we had a lovely time in England, but we had a quite a, a tiring time in England. So we were looking forward to like a weekend away. It's a federal holiday today, mm-hmm. and the original plan was day off Friday, drive down two days in, in North Carolina, then drive back today. That already got cut short. Yeah, the hubs got offered a job in Boston, mm-hmm. so he had to fly out to Boston first thing this morning. Mm-hmm. He left the house at six. My God. So already, I'm slightly pissed. Not pissed. I understand because he's uh, a con- tired. Tired. He's a contractor, so he has to do that. But in order to get us even to the point of leaving, there was drama. The hubs decided, in his infinite wisdom, and it was wisdom, to put the car in for an oil change at a local garage. Mm-hmm. Good plan, Batman, as they say. Uh-huh. Next, they went to retrieve it only to find it way wasn't ready but B had been clamped due to a parking ticket from a few years back <laughs> oh so said parking ticket got paid off <laughs> goes back the day after to retrieve it was told yes it'll be ready by open a business car not there car not there the owner had decided to use it to take do an errand why does the owner get to use your car for an errand oh I know that is the hub's implied it was going to make him late for work which it kind of would have and therefore I think we got something taken off <laughs> like in terms of the price right right, right 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 goes into Alexandria for his job goes to his usual parking lot does job comes back parking lot now tow zone car has been towed oh for heaven's <laughs> sakes retrieves car <laughs> Drives along. Uh-huh. Car runs out of gas. <laughs> oh, yes, I'd forgotten this. Ashley, I, I had blocked this out because you were texting me. And he's like, you're just like, oh, my God. I'm like, oh luckily, God. <laughs> Luckily, he's a, he is a block away from a gas station. Gets gas, drives on. Bike comes down bike lane. Knocks woman into our car. 
No. No. So you now have a dent in your car. I think more concerned about the woman. I think we're okay, but... No, yeah, you've got uh, a dent in your car. That's where I'm concerned. That, yeah. <laughs> so, Daniel, question. Yes. Based on the last couple of weeks, does any of this surprise you? No, actually. Actually, it's sort of par for the course. I feel like Mercury is doing something in star sign in some house. <laughs> we enter our mini break era. We set off on Friday for a couple of days away. Very excited, as we said. We grabbed lunch in Roanoke. And then just south of that, in a charming hamlet called Dublin, the hubs went, feeling a bit tired, I would love a Wendy's Frosty. The sugar will keep me awake. Oh, that's when you sent that message. Yes. So we decided (laughs) that we, in this little town, we were going to go and get a Frosty. Move into the drive-thru. The hubs have been saying the something's not quite right of the car. Uh As we pull into the drive-thru, it shudders. The hubs immediately goes... That's the fucking transmission. Uh-huh. We managed to get through the drive-thru and park up. And that's really kind of where the transmission goes. Yes. Daniel, question. Uh, Max, answer. <laughs> Do you like a Wendy's Frosty? I love a Wendy's Frosty because I can dip fries into it. I love the salty, like, chocolatey mix that goes on there. So now we enter <laughs> what I call I honestly don't know what the fuck to do era. <laughs> we get the car across the road to a Walmart, which, as Daniel knows... I've spent many a time in a Walmart parking lot on, uh, on road jo- car journeys. Actually, you have. But it's truly fucked, and we were kind of terrified. Like, because tr- it was breaking down. We managed to get across this big road in and that. Yeah. Walmart does not do transmissions. It's 4.30 on a Friday night. Nowhere is open, and if they are, they're booked for weeks. Welcome to rural America. We're still in Virginia after all this time, so um, there's nowhere going to look after our car. Uh-huh. Daniel, question. Max, answer. What would you do right now? Um, well, which is what I think you did is you sent me a message. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, my best friend needs help. I was about to call Julie and say, we've got to go get him. We actually had a couple of people offer that. Yeah. <laughs> we realized that there's a hotel motel, definitely not Holiday Inn, uh-huh. back across the road next to the Wendy's. Uh-huh. So we're like, I said, babes, we have to get the car back across the road, out, and then that's, if we can get into this hotel, we have somewhere to put our head and the car not, is not illegally parked anymore. Right. And this is where we enter our Tuong Fu era. <laughs> oh God. Oh God. So Daniel, question, which character from that town would you have liked to ever meet? <laughs> I wouldn't, well, um, hmm. oh, what was her name? The one that had all the movie stuff. Clara, I think I know. Clara, I would love to meet Clara. Nice. I like Stockard Channing. Oh, well, I love Stockard Channing, but I like Clara. Also, there's like a short king apart in, in the group of thugs who's like kind of square. Like, I'd love to meet him. Well, yes. So this is the out fuck this shit era. Um, <laughs> we screamed at the gods about our recent luck. And then um, we decided the only real option at this point actually was to get towed back to DC. That was it. Yes. And this is actually the point where I messaged you. So, again, Daniel, question. When you received whispers of this scenario, what were your thoughts? My thoughts were, one, don't put it in the group chat. (laughs) Thought two was, mustn't have anyone else panic. Thought three was, oh my God, what can I do to help my best friend? (laughs) And we love you for that. So then we enter our tow truck era, and when we are actually rescued by a tow truck. And this is where our new friend... Red comes into the picture. Red is the tow truck driver. Yes. He's kind of like handsome, cute in a Virginia sort of way. Uh-huh. But 
real talk now is when you know this is a LGBT podcast. When you're in rural Virginia and you are about to get a towed by a local, I'm sorry if this is insulting to people. You and your husband have what we call the roommate talk. Yeah. I. What are we? Yeah. We kept it quiet and we do feel after a while red kind of guest. Probably your accent gave it away. Red was friendly. <laughs> we had music on. Three of us crammed into this cabin. Yes. Though he did switch off Miley's flowers, declaring that if Taylor Swift can buy her own flowers, then why the fuck did she write this fucking song? Daniel, question, how does that statement make you feel? Well, Taylor didn't write that song. Miley did. So I, I have thoughts on that one. Exactly. That was it. <laughs> I said, that's not Taylor Swift. Um, <laughs> I, that's I, when he realized we weren't roommates. <laughs> <laughs> now it's time for the You've Got to Be Fucking Kidding Me era when we stop for gas and the tow truck won't start. Ah, yes. The hub suspected the battery, but Red, our expert, believes it was just because we were going north. <laughs> well... Daniel, what were your reactions to the twist in the tail? <laughs> <laughs> well, by that time, I was uh, into my third beer era, and I was like, oh my god, oh my god, what are we doing? Because I was still panicking, I was like, I've got to keep my phone charged in case Max calls me. We were laughing, there was a Hampton Inn behind us, a Red Lobster in front, and a um, Starbucks to the left. We were in the care of a truck driver, what else could go, uh, quite frankly, at this point? Well, again, I was also like, Julie, we may have to go get them. <laughs> So I say finally, we enter the No Place Like Home era, because like The Wizard of Oz, this was an unnecessary adventure that could have been opened, um, finished a lot earlier. All for shoes. We spent the final bit. Red got the car started again. Um, he was singing along to the radio. The hubs are snoring next to me, and I spent the whole time staring at a tampon that was sitting on the dashboard. Don't ask. There was an unused tampon on the dashboard. No. Daniel, question. What would you have felt at this point? <laughs> I don't even know. I, I would have been like, please just throw me out onto the highway. Run me over. <laughs> because this is when we enter our yellow, the yellow wrench light on the dashboard just came on era. Oh no. Self-explanatory. But saying, and not the transmission, which we thought it would be, meant we had Red on the phone to his boss going, the lights come on and I'm losing power. Oh no. <laughs> you were about to end up on the side of the highway. So the only thing was that now we couldn't really stop the car the truck or turn anything off which meant we had red actually gas it up with the engine running <laughs> no but he got us back and that is honest to god the story of red's first ever trip to dc the guy had never been to dc um we watched his childlike wonder as he saw the monuments got honked at for no reason and witnessed someone doing a u-turn in front of an accident Caused by a U-turn. <laughs> the irony. And involving a metro bus. Oh. Um, There's no irony in that one. But he did get us back. We got parked up. Oh. Uh, thanked him. He was very sweet. He actually was um, saying that if he had been known he was going to come this far, he actually would have had a shower and probably hit a bar. Um, and we were like, you can have a shower and hit a bar. Yeah. So, Daniel, question. At this point, would you have given up? Uh, yes. I would have been like, this is a sign that I don't need to go to this wedding. Because this is where we hit our transport problems era, and uh, actually, we rent a car the next day, because actually the price was damn fucking cheap, and was probably less to rent a car than go out on the town in DC. Uh, and we drive up to the wedding, get there in six hours, and find out there'd been cyclones and logs, and two other people had car problems, and we were the DC car problems. Yeah. To top that off, 
There's more? There's more. Why is there the, more? The fleet of cars that Nora had hired to get people from the hotel to the wedding venue, uh-huh. obviously was not the bus that she thought it would be, all had problems and were kind of crunchy. Uh, there was toys on the front seats, dogs as co-pilots, and one of the cars charged the guests driving in it, even though it was a prepaid car service. No! <laughs> Which is why we were rescued by... The hubs is mate Carly's mum, who decided, quite frankly, we're not getting in that. I don't drink much. I'll drive. And that's how Max arrived at a wedding in a pickup, in a flatbed. You know, that's... You were in the flatbed? Yeah. In that oh, how very country of you. Daniel, question. Have you ever arrived at a wedding in a pickup flatbed? No, but I've rid- ridden in a flatbed yeah. pickup. And now finally we entered the wedding era. It was actually a lovely night uh, with lovely people. And I got to a lot of meet with a lot of the Hubs' school friends. And it was nice. And there was a lot of reconnecting and people uh-huh. in different stages of life and having a lot of fun. <coughs> Food was amazing. We took up the dance floor and we finished the night around a fire pit when someone said the magic words, Taco Bell, anyone? Yes. And they came out of a huge box of Taco Bell. Yes. Daniel, confession. Yes. I did finally get my Frosty on the way home. And it was really sweet. Did you have fries with it? No, we had chicken nuggets. Uh, okay. I was also really full by that because they was really good, for, really good barbecue. Mm, oh, yes, yes. But I do want to congratulate the happy couple, Nora and Ryan, and I want to wish them a lifetime of soft kisses because no joke, that was honestly a line in their vows and the rest of the weekend we all walked around going, soft kisses. <laughs> <laughs> and that, people, was my weekend away to North Carolina. All I'm going to say is that had you had two more eras, it would have been the equivalent to Taylor Swift. So there you go. Yeah, that was it. Well, bravo. bravo. I am so, so happy that you're back. I was worried about your safety the entire weekend. Yeah. Uh, no, we were fine. Once the car, I said once the car was parked legally in DC, because that was the other thing, it was Friday night. Yeah. Um, we found someone sitting in the car waiting for their friends and we just sat next to them. And then the guy's like, okay, it's yours. And we first, uh-huh. and we, I think we had a bit of a... We had a glass of wine, watched some Golden Girls, and we just like, we're done. Yeah. The dog is very, she was really confused. Also, I do want to thank a lovely Christian, um, our dog sitter, who really, A, kept us away entertained. That's his, that was his line um, that Daniel said, girl, my, my soul jumped out of my body, <laughs> but was really accommodating, mm-hmm. like, let us have space on Friday because we were just so exhausted, like, really quite that. So just thanks to everyone. Yay. Anyway, I think that's me done. Um, Anyway, I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. Bye. That's enough talking about ourselves and the shit show dumps fires at our lives. All Max's talk. Talking of dumpster fires, what's going on in the gayberhoods? You know, we're going to discuss the stories that are gay, gay adjacent, or just a little bit camp. So... We're going to, for my one quickly, because I've spoken enough, uh, a few weeks back we talked about the Bud Light controversy with Dylan Mulaney, Mulaney? Mulaney. Mulaney. Um, and I'll see what happened there. I, I'm still not quite happy with how Bud Light then handled it and yeah. backtracked a lot. I think that they could have stuck to their guns. They've done it before. They're no longer the most popular beer in America. I'm like, I think that's what they were trying to hold on to. Not failure just not being the best and I think that's mm. kind of sad and they threw a lot of people under the bus Garth Brooks has addressed this he's opening a bar in Nashville which mm-hmm. is I mean what's it a country star if a bar in Nashville earth shattering <laughs> groundbreaking <laughs> but he has turned around and he said there's been already been complaints about him like having Bud Light there and he just and his quote is basically inclusiveness is always going to be me and that's all I want to say on right. that is that it's up to him he has he, he doesn't have to 
This is a hobby. I know. He's, he's very... Everyone can sit there. I think he did say he wants everyone to feel happy and safe in his bar. Mm-hmm. So he's not going to part with bigotry. Mm-hmm. But he said everyone can come in and have a safe time. Mm-hmm. He is Trisha Yearwood's husband. Let's face it, she yeah. obviously relies on gay men and middle-aged women who carry sweatshirts just in case. Yeah. But I think that she... That I think that's nice. And I feel that they, 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 them little statements really do, do make a difference. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have a drive-by news story for us. Uh, just so you know, Max, because apparently I am your newscaster on this, Taylor Swift is re-releasing her Speak Now album. Which one's Speak Now? Uh, it was the one that was starting to go popish after the country, but not quite. It was not Red. Red you... followed it. What's Red got on it? Um... Oh. Was Red Blank Space? No, 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 that's 1989. Red was, um, I knew you were trouble whenever you walked in. And then Blank Space was after? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I Because we, 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 we played Taylor Swift's, uh, the Spotify, so we were trying mm-hmm. to work it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, It's all the Taylor versions on there as well. Yeah. But, no, I, 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 I kind of came in 1989, but I knew mm-hmm. her stuff. But that, so yeah. that was still Red and uh, Drive By. Speak Now. Speak Now are both pop country. Yes, they were both that crossover. Speak Now is probably famous because of the song Dear John, which was about her breakup with John Mayer. Yeah. So we're all desperately waiting to see what Taylor version that one's going to be like. She's not doing them in, is she doing them in order? No, she's not doing them in order. She's sort of bopping around to whichever ones she's feeling like. Still waiting for 1989. Still waiting for it. Yeah, I like that album. What is there an album that outright isn't owned by Scooter? Uh, Folklore Evermore The new ones yeah. The new one yeah. Reputation was the last one That he owned So Lover Is the first one That she owned Yeah Yeah Reputation was her last I would say studio album mm-hmm. The others were the I would call it I would say I know they weren't But they were independent albums. Oh they were Yeah, yeah. Very much so oh, That's Very good so. Excited for you Yes I hope you are as well. I am. I'm. I. I. I need to probably go back and listen to her albums and then kind of do a comparison side by side. Yep. And listeners, I'm going to say this: if I got any of those songs wrong and the albums wrong, I don't care. <laughs> That's where I'm at this morning. <laughs> so the other bit of news uh, is coming out of Iceland. They have banned conversion therapy. Congratulations. So in a vote, 53 to three in abstentia, the parliament has approved the banning of conversion therapy. Because there is no cure for gay, and any attempt to do so would equal violence. So thank you for getting it right, Iceland. I don't know that Milo Strapalalalop of this guy really put me off being gay a few times. <laughs> Just him? And Lindsey Graham. <laughs> ah, no, I don't want it, Mummy. I don't want it. <laughs> Lady G. Lady G. Well, that's good. And you've got to remember, a lot of places don't... It's not that it's not they condone conversion therapy. I just don't think they realise conversion therapy is still on the books. Right. <laughs> and I very much feel like that was the situation with Iceland. They're like, oh, I guess, oh we, shit. I guess we do need to do something about this one. Daniel, what has been gay culture for you this week? Oh, gay culture for me this week. There has actually been a lot Yum. going on. Uh, so my food this week, I roasted eggplant and I roasted it three different ways. Delicious. Highly recommend doing curry on it or doing seven Japanese spices on it. Nice. And then just making it into a mash or anything else afterwards. Also, orzo pasta salad. It's summer. You want something that's very quick and easy to do. Yeah. Do that as well. My drink of the week, Aperol Spritz with lime and champers. 
delicious, or the absinthe highball that I had at 607 T Street. That was fantastic on Saturday. I say 6 or 7 in the evening. That's your evening, Fox. I know. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, my song of the week was Cruel Summer by Taylor Swift, which is apparently, even though it was released four years ago, has finally entered the charts and could be going up for summer hit of the year, essentially. Oh, that should be a Cruel Summer Padam Padam. I know. Off. I know. Also, uh, artist Michael V was introduced to me this week. Nice. I uh, think jazz musician who is doing modern hits but with a jazz take. So, in the vein of postmodern jukebox. Very much like it. Soundtrack of the week was Kimberly Akimbo. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, television. Cleaners. Season 2. I was going to say that's, that was my only culture this week. Yep. It's very good. And my movie for the week was Coco Before Chanel. Or Coco Avanti Chanel, however you want to pronounce it. Not the Pixar movie. No, 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 no. That's like the prequel to Coco, Coco Before Chanel. <laughs> yeah. That should be the, that should be that one. <laughs> um, so actually, aside from I, my only one was the cleaner this week. I we because we recorded Sunday, so mm. I had a very tight week from a day off. So actually, I just started kind of self care summer. Oh. That was my kind of culture for the week. Just uh, we was meant to do softball on Tuesday, and I had we were plan we started to plan out this double record, uh, then. Things started to when we found out that we were recording today. We were meant to record Thursday and then tomorrow, and then we were like, right. "Let's do a double today." So I bought everything forwards, and there was obviously chaos going on with the car. And oh, I was yeah. like, uh, "So I just I uh, Tuesday night, I think the hubs was working late, and I just said, no, I'm yep. taking a break.' And I I I just said I'm going to work on some notes. We we got a very exciting episode so um i was like no i'm gonna take a break and i feel good and i think part of me this this summer a lot is gonna be what does it what does coco chanel always say always take the last accessory off that you put on so i always feel if you're feeling overwhelmed always take the last thing off your your dance mm-hmm. cards and that's my sort of motto for summer yep but what i did end up watching on thursday night which i think everyone should consider watching is a little film called the birdcage oh yes so just quickly going to plug our next episode is going to be a i think fun episode i know people like how banter back and forwards and don't like the more formal things but we have <laughs> picked the birdcage due as our first sort of deep dive movie it's mm-hmm. our favorite movie I managed to write the step-by-step, the scene-by-scene without watching the movie. I've watched it that much. I don't think we've actually properly watched the movie, either of us, to do this. Well, I watched it Friday, but I had no edits because I was like, oh, you actually have the plot down. Yeah, we do it. So, but please, so uh, this is a little bit of a, I'll say warning, but heads up, you know, we're going to be watching a birdcage. It's available to purchase, I believe, on one of them, Amazon. Uh, so I rented it through Amazon, but you can also purchase it through Amazon. Uh, you will want to watch it again and again. Yeah. So before we move on to um, what has been in the culture for the week, I just uh-huh. want to do a shout out to the What Keeps Me Up At Night podcast. Been chatting to one of the hosts, Sky, for a little bit. It's very sweet. It's a really great podcast. They discuss... What keeps them up at night? So it's what keeps me up at night, not what keeps you up at night. What oh. keeps me up at night? God be care because a lot of podcasts that have the other one. Uh-huh. It's just a really fun podcast. They uh-huh. discuss uh, the topics that keep them up at night. A lot of it's alien conspiracies and stuff, but really oh. balanced discussions on it. Like they believe in aliens, but not what people are saying, sort of thing. Oh, okay. But it's also a good episode about Sex and the City keeping them up at night. Well, fair. But no, really good episode. So just check them out and drop them a rate and review. Uh, they are an indie podcast like us, so 
every little helps uh, you'll be amazed about you know just giving one listen or a five star rating on Apple or Spotify or any of them really does make a difference traction dear it's all about traction <laughs> uh, but yeah shout out uh, Sky keeps speaking up about my accent and I have to say I love his Staten Island accent oh <laughs> <laughs> you know I like a New Yorker <laughs> yes you do yes you do That may have been a culture for us, but what is making an impact for everyone else? We check the feeds, test the mood, and answer the question, what is gay culture? And I will say, in the words of Blanche, better late than pregnant. So, Well, <laughs> so Daniel, what is a topic we are going to do this week? We are going to talk about the Tony Awards. But why is it good that we've left it a week, aside from the fact we had no choice based on our recording schedule? Uh, based on the recording schedule. but So I would say the good thing of us leaving it for a week is the reaction post... That has come out the, afterwards. The, yes, I'm. I we always like to do a rundown of the awards, but actually yeah. this this one in particular, there's been a lot of there's been a slow drip of the cultural impact, and I right. think so. We mentioned well, you have. I I was too busy you know, <laughs> getting towed. Um, but what is going on? And I've seen bits come across on on the feeds as well. It's definitely been a year where. It's very positive. It's very positive. It's been a very uh, unique year. We're going to say that going into this, listeners. Daniel will lead away for the rest of this. I've spoken way too much. But <laughs> the first bit is kind of more my era of it. In yeah, that yes. <laughs> there was already a bit of controversy about the Tony Awards going forward because of the writer's strike. Yes, and I think I brought that up a few weeks ago. Yes. Yeah, you did. And they weren't sure if it was going to happen. Right. Or they were just going to do awards announcements. And then someone, I think, had said, no, they actually rely on the performances of the non-awarded shows to promote and actually encourage right. ticket Right, it's sales. a great vehicle for that. So, we're going to quickly just, because everyone I think is probably hearing writer's strike, writer's strike, writer's strike, and probably mm-hmm. going, well, what do writers need money for? Get a real job. Yeah. So, here is the writer's strike explained in a very brief, quickly way. The writers went on strike after six weeks of negotiations failed with the Alliance of Motion Picture Television Producers. One of the strike's key demands is higher compensation. Basically, the median writer-producer pay has declined 23% over the last decade. Which is shocking. Yeah. Whereas a successful show could have run for seasons during the cable era, giving writers a steady job and learning for years, the bingeable, big-budget shows made for the streamers are typically shorter and renewed with less consistency. Writers have to scramble from job to job. Also, streaming was also led to a different format of writers' rooms. That's where the writers all get together. So someone will pitch ideas and they bounce jokes off each other, etc., etc. Um, and as we've also seen this um, incre- increase in using what they call mini rooms, so they scale down writers' rooms that hire fewer writers for shorter periods of time and often pay less. So basically, they want to guarantee higher wages. They're being screwed out of it. Right. There's also been reports of AI being used to generate scripts and writers being asked to come in and just clean them up. Yeah. It's not it's not good. A few years back as well, there was a writer's strike in the mid two thousands which uh, killed a lot of shows uh, because essentially at the time there'd been a rise in home video. Usually it was very rare for for stuff to be released on video on yeah. DVD and that happened and writers weren't getting the, the back end of the conversation for that. The same now happens when stuff's being played on Hulu. Yeah. So essentially writers were like, no, we cannot. It's not so much they want a lot of money. There's, It's just not a sustainable career anymore. Yeah. Um, and I know people are going to be like, well, it's not a real job. But it, 
it is it's a real fucking job if you're entertained it's a real job if you're willing to watch something you're willing to support right so and award shows do rely on writers oh my god who knew who knew some of them you might be surprised they were writers but no someone <laughs> did put pen to paper no Coco the Chimp did not do it <laughs> so they decided to move forwards mm-hmm. with it and the I and basically also if you're part of the writers guild union mm-hmm. you cannot contribute right so even though so if Ariana DeBoas who had presented had written something and was part of the guild she would not have been able to present right that's it so she it's it's so com- beautifully complex and you've seen it mm-hmm. like for instance the Ted Lasso lot they did a presentation for Apple but Brett couldn't be there because he was a writer and had to could not promote a show right so the, the Tonys had such a tight line to run by but yet apparently an amazing show was had so it was an amazing show because you know unfortunately writers were not involved so it was a lot of improv from the actors themselves that were in the shows so they still did the big numbers you know promoting the big musicals and the play bits but there was none of the banter back and forth in between it was a lot of yes and yes essentially going on on the stage and unfortunately it meant that the show actually ended on time so there has been a lot of criticism from people who are like well maybe we should go this route forever now on mm. which is not the reaction you want to have this is the trouble of strike yeah. action we're not gonna get yeah. i don't want to go into strike action stuff yeah, this yeah, is yeah. also the trouble is the disadvantage of strike action is sometimes the keep calm and carry on people try and use that to prove the need for get, removing something from culture right so that is you know anyways we'll see what happens next year essentially but the big winners of the evening there was no real big surprises there were no big sweeps however I disagree with that comment because there were some pretty big sweeps everything that was nominated that should have gotten the award got the award so best play was Leopoldstadt Set over a span of 50 years, this play reviews the life of one family in the Jewish quarter of Austria, starting in 1899, so you can guess what happens during part of the play, if you can do math. Yes. Also, Parade won for Best Revival of a Musical, a Jordan murder travesty that I have covered several times on actually a different podcast about how anti-Semitism inflamed injustice. And then finally, Kimberly Akimbo won for Best New Musical. It's a fish-out-of-water story involving first loves, Rare genetic conditions, felonies, and the quest for happiness. And cheers to Victoria Clark for winning for Best Actress and Ally. She, she is in her 60s, but plays a 16-year-old. Yes. Yeah. Friends saw that and weren't impressed. They were not. I Well, I think also they saw Sweeney Todd that weekend, mm-hmm. and I think they, they do they do the... They'll go to New York for the weekend and just, you know, kind mm-hmm. of catch up. And yeah, I think... Yeah. They found it a bit amateurish, mm-hmm. but they did say they can see the appeal to the youth, and they said that is something that maybe it just. They came away with it more that I don't think it was for us, but mm-hmm. they're glad they saw Fair the enough. performance. Fair enough. Um, so I do have one connection to one of these stories. My friend Gracie went to see Leopoldstadt, and the winner, Brendan Uranowitz, uh, for Best Supporting Actor, was outside standing next to her having a smoke break, and she was just like. I can't believe it. I just ran into him and he's smoking. And I said, well, Gracie, he has a Tony and you don't. Yeah. So you hushed. <laughs> that was my pettiness for the week <laughs> for her. Um, but it was a big night, very big night for the LGBTQ community, especially to our non-binary winners. Oh, it was so good. So the first one that we're going to talk about is Alex Newell. So 
You and I both remember Alex from Glee. I I used to watch the Glee Project. Uh-huh. So I that's when he was first introduced, and he was just a very young, feminine. I would say effect, like yeah. feminine guy. Now he's basically owns himself. He's still him, isn't he? Or they? Uh, I think they're they. They, yeah. but they own them. They own themselves. Yes. Anyways, gave a wonderful, wonderful speech about saying how you know. I am essentially an effeminate black individual from Massachusetts. I should not be up here, but I am. And you don't let anyone tell you that you cannot be up here. It was so impressive. They won for um, the role that they played in Chuck, which is a story about uh, a town in the Midwest that grows corn that essentially goes bankrupt because the corn fails. So, anyways, plays the main character who is a moonshiner. So... I couldn't tell you anything else about the play, but... Uh, it's got me interested, I have yeah, to say. It's a very interesting thing. I like yeah. they've got a song called High Fructose. So, you know. It's doing really well. It's, it's very much, was it in a different loop from last year? There's like, it's that new... Yes, I think it's very much in the vein of different yeah. loop, so to speak. Um, but then, of course, Leah Michelle had done her... She comes. I mean, I do love the fact that she wasn't eligible for a Tony, yet basically has written herself into the narrative. Oh, Yeah. But she did do a performance, and everyone knew she was going to do Don't Run In My Parade. Imagine that. No one's shocked, but she did get a nice photo of her and Alex backstage, a bit mm-hmm. of a reunion. Always kind of interesting of her about, like, who she's talking to and who wants to be seen with her. Right. But I do think she's sort of becoming very hard to avoid, and I think the Broadway Glee casts are, like... Michelle owns it. Yeah, Michelle owns us right now. So, um, but it's nice. It was yeah. very sweet. I do generally think. I also heard that Alex Newell's very intense as well. Well, I could see that. But like, apparently, he's crazy, crazy. So I think, well, I think Diva knows Diva. Oh, I think. But the Diva came out in the show too. Yeah. Like, you know, it was... So I think they both look at each other and go, "Well, we're gonna, <laughs> we're in this together, bitch." <laughs> this Diva needs her stage. So the other big winner of the night was Jay Harrison G. Uh, lead actor in a musical for Some Like It Hot, so the modern interpretation of the Marilyn Monroe uh, film from the 1950s, but set in the 1930s, which I think is what the original film was set in. Yeah, a lot of films back then tended to set earlier, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. Anyways, uh, it was a new take on the character, so essentially you have two individuals in a band, male individuals in a band, who have to go into hiding, and they dress up as women and hide in a different band. To an avoid, all-female band. An all-female band to avoid the mob. However, it was a new take with a character that Guy played, or G, I don't know the name pronunciation, I'll apologize for that, um, where the character actually discovered themselves. Yeah. Which is a very new, very modern take on that story. So he realizes a little bit more for it that, yeah. He, he is in his natural form. Yeah. They are in their natural form, essentially. So uh, his speech, or their speech was very good. Uh, you may think that you're afraid, afraid of what? Of whose opinion, if it brings you joy, do it. Like, just go out there and do it. Anyways, it was so good. And then also... Oh, did you hear they went to the White House? Oh, that, that, that was the point I was going to bring oh, sorry. up. Sorry, I, I wasn't sure if you were going to jump to the next no, bit. No, no, yeah. no. No, the point I was going to bring up is then they went to the White House this week. That was very quick. It was a very quick turnaround. I think they were at the White House on Thursday. Like, they went on Sunday, and they were at the White House on Thursday. And, like, the photo of him with, like, Jean-Pierre... Or the clip. And she's like, oh my gosh, can I touch the award? Like, And just the interaction between the two of them was just so sweet. 
and it was all words of like we are so proud of the work that you've done I love what the first time the first thing people do with a Tony Award they want to spin they it they spin it they yeah. want to spin it and there was a big thing one year when someone clicked to the wall and they got up and they spun it and everyone went oh my god it does actually spin <laughs> it was so pure it was so wonderful but they were so proud and it was very much focalized so we absolutely love it uh, we would be remiss not to mention our other LGBT winners Sean Hayes uh, Michael Arden and Brendan Uranowitz all won for their respective roles. So, yay. It looked like a, a, a good year. There was just a lot of... I think, in a weird way, the Tonys has become its own entity. Mm-hmm. I think there was... For, like I. It's not really reliant on anything else. No, you know? it was a big thing. I think the theatre community suddenly realised it's on its own at the moment. Yeah. A little bit. Especially, yeah. you know, Broadway's suffering because people aren't booking in advance. The pre-ticket sales are down, which means investors right. are getting scared. There's a lot of reliance on word of mouth in the you know the era, yeah. And we're trying, you know, me and you keep saying if the hubs, let's all go and let's get, go for one weekend and to see a ton of shows, right? And we still haven't done it because it's you know it is expensive. In it's also finding the time, and right? Life happens, and I, I've heard really good things. Uh, so the people, the peeps, the friends that went to see um, Kimberly Akimbo mm-hmm. also saw some like for the fourth time. Mm. They say it's a really really good show. Like it's just it's just so well done. Yeah. Well, so, the one for best choreography, I believe. Yeah. Like, and I said, you know, it's not a sort of show you think is going to... Like, Shucked um, is what is that era of... Which we don't get as much in England, but the real curious concept. Yes, it's, like, it's a bit like you're in town. Yeah, play, like if a play mentality, but yeah, it's a yeah, musical. Yeah, whereas, yeah, yeah. Like, some like it hot, it's an out-and-out fun musical. It's the hairspray, yeah. it's all that. And mm. uh, it's important to have shows like that, that... You have a message, but they're fun. So I'm really glad that that's still alive because mm-hmm. otherwise we end up in, the, in like England. As we leave in, in England, we're in a train station and there was an advert for 42nd Street, a revival. I'm like, they do one like every other year. I've never seen it, you know. Oh, uh, 42nd Street is so passive. I'm sorry. And, and it's, but it's what people, like, oh, they know. Like it gets the, the coaches of the, the grannies of the Purple Rings. Ugh, ugh. But this year seemed definitely, definitely strong. A lot of ownership about it. It was more diverse. Yeah. More diverse. And the diversity was celebrated, which I am all for, by all means. So, yes. So, which brings us to our next little topic. And let's talk about, you know, your history with the Tony Awards or the BAFTA Awards. Whichever one you want to talk about. Oh, we have, so, the, so we have the Olivier's. Oh, sorry. Olivier's. I completely rebuffed no, that my, my The Olivier's has always been... Um, Big but not big. The Tonys is uh, the Olivier's is known. Olivier, I mean, it, it's hard. It, it's weird, isn't it? I mean, the Tonys for me when I got into into theatre for really like mm-hmm. I, I would say when this this I say eras uh, the Spring Awakening era where they really uh-huh. started to adjust to like a, a younger crowd. Mm-hmm. I used to read a, um, a, a blog post and I had my own blog, but it, the Tonys was a big thing. They they did because that was the Neil the Neil Patrick Harris period where he was presenting and it yes. got bigger and bigger and bigger. Yes. And that was before he did Hedwig, wasn't it? Yeah, I think Hedwig was like the year that stopped him doing it. Yeah, and I think yeah. he moved on since then. But I, I you know the Tonys is always I've never watched it. It's always I feel that I do like an award. I'm but it's hard because we don't we live in DC. You know, we get shows. Mm-hmm. I end up missing a lot. Like, you forget the ones, you know, you've got ones that you feel, oh, I can leave it till last minute. And the tours really book out quickly. They do. I couldn't believe Wicked have booked out. But, I don't know, I, I feel my history of it is, it, it, I, I have a bit of a, when I remember 
at the time being like, oh, it got me wanting to live in America because I thought, mm. thought Broadway looked so much more fun than the West End. The West End was a little bit old fashioned and Broadway at the mm-hmm. time was becoming something mm-hmm. modern and there was that youth community. So I think the Tonys yeah. became that sort of focus and that, and the Tonys also is the, the clips that you would see when you're looking on, on YouTube. Right. I mean, for me, uh, the Tony Awards was a little bit of a lifeline, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, growing up in rural America, like, it was the one night of the year that differences were celebrated. Like, oh, you're a little bit weird and kooky. There's a musical for you about this girl who's green. Let's talk yeah. about that. You know? And it just, it was that little glimpse of to culture and, like, there was a different life than, you know, where I was growing up. And so I would often, you know, watch the show by myself and then, you know, I would, like, write down the numbers that I liked. And then I would, you know, go and I'd go get the CDs. Like, that's how old I, you know, long ago it was. And it's just like, oh. And then I, you know, purchased this. And then, like, purchased Wicked. And then, you know, so on and so forth. Like, I think for me as well is that I was getting frustrated with British theatre. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spring Awakening was cancelled after two months. You know, yeah. Why? It's just, it, it just didn't... They had a long run here. <laughs> it's really weird. Like, we are so cheap to go to the theatre in London, and yet we only ever want to go and see revivals. You know, it's mm. really hard. I think uh, Book of Mormon's doing really well still, mm-hmm. and uh, Hamilton, obviously. Uh-huh. And something else is coming. I was quite surprised. Strange Loop is coming, but they're doing that, like, at the Barbican. They're doing an off-West End, mm-hmm. like an official big production, yeah, yeah, but yeah, as yeah. a limited run. Something else is coming. Waitress did it. But there was a period where there was a lot of good stuff and the Tonys was sort of, the Tonys actually made my life hell because it was showing what was important out in the States and I'm going, well, why is that not coming over? Mm. And if it did, it was failing. And when Spring Awakening failed, I was like, there's no hope for British theatre at the moment. Mm. Though luckily we started to really generate these off-Broadway off Broadway, off West End theatres, which were offering, like the Many Chocolate Factory is the main one, that's where the cars and everything came from, and Little Night Music, and they, they their productions transferred very easily because they were so mm-hmm. small scale. Mm-hmm. But I saw you in town at the St. James's Theatre, which is a very small, it's a smaller theatre outside of Central, I think it's near Buckingham Palace. Okay. But it did beautiful, like the sets, the money they put into it. Is it near Victoria Station? Yes. Okay. Right. Yeah. I know exactly which one and, it is. And, you know, when you see what the, the set looked like and how it was lit, it was mm-hmm. like, they, they were bringing in like really clever production designers who were doing stuff, like making mm-hmm. beauty on a budget sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And I think that started to really, that when they started to really come out of their shell and find their confidence the West End started to, I think, rival in a way, Broadway in terms of originality. And I hate to say that I do love my home home city, but we really, we, we kind of got a very complacent and I'm glad that sort of shifted. But yeah. no, I would tell you my, my history of the Tonys is basically making me, it was the grass is always greener. <laughs> making you envious. I saw hope, you saw envy. There we go. <laughs> but no, but I'm really glad to see, I think it's been a tough year mm-hmm. um, for performers who don't, you know, aren't the the gender aren't the heteronormative performers right so and obviously there's stuff that's happened in Nashville and Tennessee since then where you know it's, there's a little bit of glimmer but the Tonys has sort of had an opportunity to say because it's very easy for the coastal elites to say well we're doing better mm-hmm. and then we kind of don't always put our money where our mouth is right and I know the Tony Awards is, a, is it, there's an elitism it's a theatre's expensive yes but at least that from that position of privilege they were able to say money mouth 
here we go. Yes. And that's what I have to say on that. <laughs> Do better. <laughs> And now it's time for Old and Tired, where we attempt to make sense of the stories that have baffled us. But instead of Googling it ourselves, we have the other one do it for us, because that's what friends are for. But in this case, and as always, Daniel's found a story that he thinks will interest me that's completely and utterly weird. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe possibly. Or just something that's unique and doesn't really fit into the rest of it. Yes, it is rather unique in that uh, this, uh, starting June 1... Uh, the first Pride Laureate of San Francisco has gotten to work. So Pride Laureate was named Darcy Dro- Drollinger, and really the Pride Laureate is sort of an ambassador of sorts, mm. if you will. Like a poet laureate. Yes, like a poet laureate, essentially representing at parades and functions officially, and they're supposed to be spreading joy and just the warmth that is drag, essentially, at the events. Um, so it was created during COVID to spread sparkle, essentially is what the official San Francisco government website nice. said. Uh, the owner, sorry, not the owner, the drag queen Darcy Drollinger is a nightclub owner that uses their venue to do Mills on Hills, which is a drag queen based meal program in San Francisco. That's stupid. And them hills and them... Oh, Mills on Hills in terms of the hill, yeah. hills of San Francisco. Yeah. I had High Hill. Well, it's spelled like High Hill. Hills, yeah. But yes. Anyways. Um, but it's just so, supposed to have a pro-drag representation throughout the city. And, you know, with drag under fire right now, what more can we want and need? So there we go. Lovely. I know. Um, I almost had a story for this week. Oh, and then everybody else, you had a story. And then, because we're running a little bit early, I oh, think yeah. I've got two minutes. Oh, yeah, you And it was brought up to me. Have you heard about the orca whale attacks on boats? Yes! <laughs> I love it! So, and it's so cute. And I'm, I'm literally kind of doing a quick Google now because I saw Daniel had a story and I didn't oh, yeah. think to do one. Um, but there has been, like, since 2020, almost, like, 500 attacks by... Herd, they're herds, aren't they? They herds, uh, yeah, pods, or pods, pods of orca whales yeah. on boats, sinking like two or three of them it, around Spain and Portugal. Yeah, and it's um, and there's been a lot of them like in America. Like basically, the whales are like ganging up on us. So, so for a little bit of backstory, because I do know a little bit about this. So there was one whale that was hit by a sailboat, and she has now taught the younger generations how to attack and beach the boats so now they're orchestrating these attacks on the boats and scientists are a little bit worried because it's a generational thing that there could be attacks on boats for decades to come essentially in this area some say it's not revenge but i don't know i think the orcas are justified well you know okay like we're not gonna go deep because this is because <laughs> it's you know it's 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 camp it's not gay mm-hmm. It's not revenge, revenge, but if the orcas are recognising, if any animal is recognising us as a predator, that's how evolution works. Yeah. Is the next gen they they adapt to it. Yeah. Evolution's adaptation. So, um, yeah, maybe it's not like outright. Well, that's the boat that hit me. Let's go after that bitch. Snap, snap. <laughs> you know, girl. Yeah. But if they're suddenly learning. You know, if, if, if you get stung by a, a stinging nettle, your mum tells you don't touch that again. Right, you learn or, to avoid or it. avoid it. So it's kind of only natural that animals may eventually, you know... Learn. 
I mean, let's face it, they've been around for thousands, millions of years. Yeah. We've, been, we've had boats of, what, 400, like, at that scale. Oh, yeah. And they're finally starting to learn how to fight back. I'm like, that's kind of how nature works. Yeah. So... We were just asking for it, really. Do you have a word of the week? I don't have a word of the week. I don't. I think let's just say awkward whale and petty. Yeah, there we go. No, I didn't. And I think nothing came up this, this no, week. No, there, there was nothing this week at all, really. <laughs> Calm. Breathe. <laughs> We don't know those words. And what about Petticoat Lane? I don't have a Petticoat Lane. Do you have a Petticoat Lane? I don't, really. How do you feel post-Pride? I didn't say Petticoat Lane, but how do you feel like post-DC Pride? Because we literally came from the Pride to record. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel better. Yeah. I feel recovered, finally. Um, but I'm also about to be off for a little bit to go to, to Connecticut, so like it's a different vibe. It was quite an ex- like, there was yeah. It was... Like pride was heavy. Everyone really dresses up, like now. Yeah. Like there was more peacocking this year. I I feel, there was a lot more peacocking. And I kind of like there. Were, I I don't know if you should. I can't know if you can have a petticoat lane about it. I was just like, everyone's wearing the same thing. Well, they were. It was so original, you know. I don't know. It's really. I I feel that we've created such a level of community that we're going to the conformist bit. I don't know. I, I, I it's weird to say, but it, you kind of felt everyone looked like they were painting by numbers. Okay. And if they want to, they want to. I just don't. But it's it's okay, babies. You can go and wear like you like. Yeah, you don't have to wear that dress if you don't want to wear a dress. Or wear a nice tie dye or something. Yeah, exactly. I wore my um. I wore, I wore the Hubs's Royal um coronation shirt because I was on the, oh, the yeah. history project, so it'd be fun. Yeah. But no, that would be my only petticoat lane. Is that I feel there's a lot of pressure to conform now within our community. Oh yes. And I was like, and you sit there pride, and people look good. I thought it was a lovely pride, but I'm like, does that mean we finally arrived for pushing conformity? Uh, well, <laughs> we've got a long way to go. Yeah. So, Daniel, what is the culture for next week? Uh, for me, it's going to be Connecticut and Ladybird. It is. So, yeah, good luck on that. We'll be we'll be coming back after in episode 21 to yeah. tell us more about yeah. that. Um, I think for me, I've got a week coming up. I'll about you. Uh, the Hubs is away as well. I'm going to go and see Flash on Tuesday, which I'm excited. Oh, very nice. Uh, and then I've got softball Wednesday, and then I've got a gay happy hour of work on Thursday. And I'm just like, oh, there's a lot of... I might. Yeah. I think you should read a book next weekend. <laughs> I would love to read a book. I mean, that's my that is my plan. The world is taking over. But no, culture wise, but culture for next week for both of us will be the birdcage. Yes, le cage of vos. So, Daniel, do you think we covered everything? My dear, we have barely set the agenda. Cheers. Cheers. You've been listening to Bitches with Beards. I've been Max, and I'm Daniel. A big thanks to you all for tuning in and giving us a listen. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Please remember that only a mother could love our views and opinions. They reflect us and no one else. All music and clips are used under fair use. We'll see you next week, unless we're cancelled. Cheers. Cheers.